You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. All right, I'm on to you. I mean, I got my third eye open on this whole Kevin O'Connor snafu. After re-watching it, it makes complete sense that this was all an elaborate setup for Cinephobe, that you had this all diagrammed up, that you would invite Kevin O'Connor from the ringer over to your computer, and look at that, a viral moment Talking about next week's Cinephobe. I'm on to you, I mean. Man, I cannot tell you how much I wish. I wish that were the case, but it was an honest, honest mistake from an honest podcaster. The worst part was in the moment, I knew how funny it was. So I went along with it. Technically, I revealed it. If I hadn't said anything, it would have just been something between me and Kevin. Because you're an honest person. You're, you're all about the truth. Yeah, I get it. I'm about the truth, but I'm also about the funny. And I knew it was funny. It's just a funny thing. And again, I don't want to give away too much because I can't give away the context of the Cinephobe episode. You're just going to have to check it on Thursday, June 23rd, draft day, and see what the episode was about. But it's the particular kind of content that was on my screen that makes it even more absurd and more funny. But I'll be honest with you, man. Like I don't get embarrassed often. I'm not embarrassed about the 2016 finals prediction. I'm not embarrassed about last year saying the Bucks wouldn't win a game. I'm not embarrassed about being in a dunk tank. This was legit embarrassing. Like I was embarrassed and ashamed. And my kids are at the age now where they start to Google and all I could think about is like, man, is this going to be like one of the top search items when you Google my name? I get it. It's hilarious, but also it's very uncomfortable. Well, I'm just excited that we're not going to continue to do a means done his own research on these programs. Yeah, I hope that's done forever, Tom. (laughs) We can just keep it to this show that Tom does his own research, keep it a family program. Man, I can't wait to hear what Amin is talking about next Thursday. That's right. Not tomorrow. Next Thursday, only on Cinephobe. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but- all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs>
welcome to Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by my fellow Illuminarmy six-star generals, Amin Hassan and producer Anthony Mays. Amin, how was the air temperature at Chase Center on Monday night? Sultry. The thermostat turned all the way up to 84. My wife, Donna. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool, calm, and collected. Okay. I'll tell you what wasn't cool, calm, and collected was the 2014 NBA Finals Game 1 eight-year anniversary last week. One of the strangest situations we've ever seen in NBA Finals history. We're going to get a deep dive into one of the craziest nights that Amin and I have been a part of in our NBA careers. But first... You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin Hassan. On the agenda today, Stephen Curry's finals MVP in jeopardy, question mark, a little bit here. The narrative has switched a little bit to Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> this former number one pick. Oh, Maple Jordan. It's not Maple Jordan. It's American Wiggins, right? I mean, American Wiggins. Let's just make a catch. That's what Tom dubbed him on Monday Night Maze. American Wiggins is Michael Jordan's new name. And... Wiggins is now the thing that everyone compares off to. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Look, the agenda is a segment that's designed to mimic and to follow the beats and rhythms of mainstream media coverage. Mm. Here at Illuminati, we uncover, we reveal, we expose. But we reserve this segment to talk about the same boring topics that everybody else is talking about. Because, oh, you're a basketball podcast. Oh, you, why don't you guys talk about X's and O's and break down the game and stuff? So we'll do that. We'll do that here because, Maze, as you pointed out right before we went on air, it is hilarious. It is guffaw-inducing that game four, everyone gives Steph Curry his flowers. You might say they were hot for him. Mm, yes. Turn it up. And then game five happens and... Because he doesn't hit a three for the first time in his playoff career, according to Tom Habistro. And for the first time in nearly four years in the regular season. That's right. I did my own research. Not since November of 2018 did he not make a three-pointer in an NBA game. And his starting front court in that game was Damian Jones and Jordan Bell. That's how long it's been. Because of that, and because the Celtics clearly learned their lesson after four games of this ridiculous drop coverage, hey, we can't let this guy tee off. We should force the ball out of his hands. We should get aggressive. We should trap. We should blitz. We should greet him level with the screen. This brilliant basketball player says, okay, I'm going to pick you apart with the assists. I'm going to use my gravity mm. to open up things for my teammates. And his teammates stepped up. He stepped up most chiefly Andrew Wiggins. And what does the mainstream media do, fellas? They turn on him. They're ice cold on Steph Curry. Brr. Turn on him like the turncoats they are. Mm. And they make it back into... Steph is less than, and hey, which one of these role players can we give a finals MVP to? Ridiculous. But it all happens. The hub of the wheel is Stephen Curry. Even when Stephen Curry is not hitting his shots, even when he is 0 for 9 from downtown, can't hit a three-pointer. Do you guys know what the Warriors' offensive rating was when Steph Curry was on the floor in that game? Monday night's game, when he had his coldest shooting night from downtown, it obviously torpedoed their offense, right? I mean, Maze? Because that's what the media wants you to believe, is that he had an awful night. As Steph goes, the Warriors go. So he probably, his struggles brought them down, right, Tom? No, I mean, because if you actually look at the facts here, the facts that they don't want you to know, when they shift the conversation to a role player, Andrew Wiggins, what they don't want you to know is that when Stephen Curry was suffering the coldest shooting night of his career, 118.7. Wow. 118.7 points Whoa. per 100 possessions. That is better 
than any offense in the NBA this season. 118 points per 100 possessions with Stephen Curry on the floor, suffering the worst shooting night of his career. And you know what? The Warriors offense was humming. So what you're telling me, Tom, is that when Steph Curry is guarded heavily and a lot of attention is paid to him, it makes it easier for his teammates? I know. It's mind-blowing stuff. And in this NBA Finals, when he has cold shooting nights, they still score at a ridiculous rate because, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. It doesn't take a PhD in basketball to figure out that when you are playing four-on-three like the Warriors often do because of Steph Curry's mere presence on the floor. When you're playing four on three, the game gets so much easier. And someone like Andrew Wiggins or Gary Payton II or Draymond Green can suddenly get easy buckets at the rim. And that's exactly what happened in game five. I thought they were doing better because Clay Thompson communed with the ocean. It doesn't matter what time of the year it is, the bay, you know, it can be cold, but... Well, it's one of those days where it's in the low 60s and the sun, sun is shining. You, I, I make it a point to jump in the ocean. I just think the ocean has healing properties that a pool might not have or a cold tub. And just to be immersed in nature like that, it just it really makes me happy. And just your whole body feels so great when you get out of that cold water. And it just feel like, honestly, you just feel a little clo- closer to God when you look up at the beautiful skies and you just in the ocean like it's a I'm an Aquarius so I just have always loved the water my whole life and it really is my happy place besides the hardwood he's an Aquarius Tom and this is the age of Aquarius this actually leads into my question I like to look ahead guys I'm a look ahead kind of guy and looking ahead at game six which of these do you think is most likely do we get a one for the storybooks Steph Curry performance do we get a Steph struggle but someone like Wiggins or Jordan Poole becomes the hero of the day do we get game six clay what's interesting about this is that game six clay actually doesn't score as much as game five clay but the narrative wants you to believe that game six clay is a thing he has historic moments in the conference finals in the NBA finals game six but it's actually the facts point to game five he actually does better what is that about i mean they're building a narrative already some pretext for clay thompson setting him up for a game six to try to shield away stephen curry from getting the finals mvp they're looking for ways to put a barrier on steph so that he has a big fat zero next to his name in the finals mvp column tom i'll tell you exactly what it is I'll quote the old great Western John Ford's The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and say, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. And what the mainstream media and most of the people doing your day-to-day coverage of sports and of basketball, they want you to believe the legend. They want to sell you a legend. They don't want to sell you the truth. They don't want to tell you that, hey, we already got the quintessential Clay Thompson finals game. No, they want to build up. And that build up, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not just because we like to see Clay flourish in a game six or in an NBA finals game or get credit. No, it's all designed to do one thing and one thing only divert attention, credit, and praise away from Steph Curry to continue this false narrative that he is somehow the flawed superstar who quote-unquote, doesn't show up in the finals. I see you, Mike Ryan. Mm. Yeah, absolute cretin. You know what's funny about this, Maze? I mean, remember in 2016 after Steph Curry suffered a sprained MCL and then came back in the playoffs, miraculously came back and stitched up his own knee and then came back and played. And then the Cleveland Cavaliers had a game plan to run him into the ground and he didn't perform up to everyone's expectations. And the excuse was, hey, look, he wasn't 100%. He was coming back from a pretty serious knee injury. And the fact that he was even playing at the NBA Finals was a huge success. And then all of the LeBron stands out there, all of the mainstream media who don't want to see Steph succeed, they all said that we were making excuses for Steph, that we were providing the groundwork for those excuses when he doesn't do well. It can't be that Steph Curry is just underperforming. It's that he's hurt. Have we heard the same thing about Jason Tatum in this NBA Finals? 
that when he's shooting 37%, are we having the same double standard? Yes, Bill Simmons. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> are we going to hold Jason Tatum to the same standard as Steph Curry? That these are all mere excuses, pretext, building up those explanations before the bad stuff happens. I just want to point out that everybody does this, but when Steph Curry does it, this is a crutch. It's an excuse. Dare I say, everyone goes through this. LeBron James, Jason Tatum, you name it. But only when Steph does it is it a problem. He's the only superstar who's not allowed to have an off-shooting night. It's incredible. And you could say LeBron, but once LeBron won his title, his first title, the criticisms quieted down a lot quicker after that. When Dirk won his title, the criticisms quieted down considerably, almost to a mute. Steph is the only one, the only multiple-time champion who has to deal with these ridiculous allegations, rumor-mongering, and just straight-up falsehoods. And I, for one, as a purveyor of truth, not here for it. I look at this situation, I say... Hey, it's great that Andrew Wiggins is getting his flowers. He has gotten a lot of ridicule over the years just about being this non-interested star. He's the number one pick, but can he do anything else other than score and and dribble and get pull up mid-range jumpers with the Minnesota Timberwolves? This is all nice, but I think it's all setting up for the big crescendo game six, Stephen Curry. I think he's going to have to score like 40 points for people to give him the finals MVP. It's just pretty obvious that the media doesn't want him to get that finals MVP. But you know what? There's time to talk about this series and there's time to go back and learn from the past. And I think we should do that because there's something weird that happened in game three. You were there, right? Mm -hmm. Before the game, game three in Boston, there was some weird stuff that happened. Yeah, there was some shenanigans with the rim. In the middle of the Warriors warming up, the facilities people came out. They determined that the rim was too high, and it took them forever to adjust. It really disrupted the rhythm of the Warriors, and it it really harkened back for a lot of people the type of shenanigans that Red Auerbach and the Boston Celtics used to pull in the 80s and before that in the 70s and 60s basically messing with the opponent with some old facilities tricks and you know that's the kind of stuff that we don't see that often anymore in the nba tom oh no actually i mean it it happened quite recently don't you remember wait are you talking about 2014 2014 game one of the nba finals i was there i mean you were there i mean you damn right i was you know who else was there becky hammond no not becky hammond he Udoka. Oh, no. He learned it from his pop. Assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs on that night, that night that will live in infamy, is the current head coach of the Boston Celtics that someone was messing with the rims in game three. Who knows? But I tell you what, we are going to get to the bottom of this mystery. 2014 NBA Finals game one, one of the biggest, strangest nights in NBA history is next on Basketball Illuminati. And James is going to have to be helped over. We've seen him again cramp up before in playoff situations, but it never seemed to be this severe. And usually they make you take a time out here, Mike. They don't allow like an injury like this to just allow someone to take this much time. And again, you wonder how much the lack of air conditioning and the heat in this building is coming into play with this and everything else. Oh, there's no doubt that this has had a huge impact on this game. LeBron James, at this point in his career, everybody was saying he was indestructible. I'm gonna need some colder water now. They're trying to smoke us out of here. Felt like a punch in the gut when you see a leader limping like that back to the bench. When LeBron goes out, obviously you lose the best player in the world, so we realized that, took advantage of it. They won, but they cheated. See, they practice with no heat. You know that for a fact. Of course I do. Oh, okay. Of course I do. Who's your source on that? It's the streets. Oh, 2014 finals game. When we've been prepping for weeks, the Illumin Army out there, you're going to want to sit and listen to this whole entire thing. Maybe listen to it a few times, maybe three times. It goes down as one of the most suspicious moments in NBA history And you hear it there from DJ Khaled suggesting that the streets, he talked to the streets and they told him that the fix was in. The Spurs were behind it. It was not just a coincidence. You know what? 
I trust DJ Khaled, but we need to do our own digging. We need to do our own reporting. And on this program, we're going to talk to some sources who go on the record about their experience on that night, June 5th, 2014. We don't want the Illuminarmy out there to just listen to us all the time. We also wanted you to get balanced, objective perspectives from hardworking journalists on both sides of this vendetta. We called in Dan McCarney, formerly of the San Antonio Express News, who covered the San Antonio Spurs for many years. How could the air conditioning fail in a modern NBA arena? We didn't have any clue at that point. So especially it's one thing if that happens in the preseason, but game one of the NBA finals, it was a really surreal experience. I don't remember this ever happening, period. And also we called in our friend, Izzy Gutierrez of ESPN and Miami Native to come in and give you the real. There's a lot of reasons why people don't love going to San Antonio. And my guess is road, locker room, and immediate surroundings are probably two big reasons. Just want to set the table here, set the temperature for everybody. Let's get comfortable here in this environment. The temperature. Yeah. It's getting hot in here. It was getting hot for Adam Silver his first year on the job, taking over for David Stern, 2014. Also a rematch, LeBron James against Tim Duncan and the evil empire, the San Antonio Spurs that took him down in 2007. LeBron finally wins in 2013, but he has the rematch. And as LeBron James has taken the court, he even goes to Tim Duncan and says, oh, the media has us pitting against each other. We're looking for storylines. They have us. <laughs> it's back. Me and you, baby. This was all fun and games to LeBron James until the game actually started. And I mean, I was there. I remember sitting next to Royce Young. ESPN reporter. We were both at ESPN at the time. I was set to do a post-game interview with J.A. Adande and Henry Abbott, and I immediately got the swamp ass. Where were you sitting? Where were your seats? Up. Up in the upper bowl, kind of lower part of the upper bowl. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I noticed, I mean, was what was sitting on all of the seats in the arena. It's odd. You're talking about the giveaway. You know, usually they got T-shirts, right? Like all the same color T-shirt. <laughs> a giveaway, huh? Yeah, a giveaway. Yeah. This was a souvenir for everybody in the audience. It wasn't a towel. Towel would have been nice. Wipe off some sweat. Towel would have been helpful, I bet. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a handheld fan doubling as a noisemaker. You know, you slap it on your hand. It's a noisemaker. It's all folded up and you just slap it. It's not a thunder stick. Hold on. Like a strange type of fan? I don't know that reference, but I'm going <laughs> to laugh anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody had this, I mean. And I was like, oh, these, I guess, noisemakers, they're trying to make it loud in the AT&T Center. But then as the game started progressing, I noticed among the fans... These fans, literal fans, were waving, trying to cool themselves down. And then I thought to myself, it's really hot in here. It's starting to get hot. I looked in the stands at one point, and I seen every last fan having fans, double entendre, waving fans. And I knew at that point, I said, oh, yeah, this is, this is something different. My enduring memory is of this poor woman. They had these noisemakers that they had passed out for the game. And people were using them as fans. And there was this poor woman they showed on the broadcast with this T-shirt, even sweatier than I am right now, and just desperately double fisting it, trying to keep herself cool. All I can say is that was incredibly fortuitous because just to give people something they could cool off with. Because by the third quarter, I remember it being pretty gnarly. And you look around the building, they all have their programs trying to fan themselves. It was extremely hot. I mean, were you walking around that night? You were there. I was there. I remember, first of all, it was a hot day in San Antonio. It was in the 90s and obviously the games start around 8 p.m. local time, I want to say. So the sun hasn't gone down completely. So when we walk in the building at NBA arenas, you walk in and they're typically very cold. Most of the time it's because there's ice in most of these arenas, ice under the floor. So whenever, if there's a hockey team, when a hockey team plays or their ice capades or any other kind of Thing that requires ice. So you're used to the arena being very cold. You bring a jacket, bring a hoodie or whatever. Some writers will wear actual suits and stuff because it, it does well as an insulator. What's funny about that is in the Miami media room, it got so cold that reporters would bring in heaters 
Space heaters. Space heaters. This is at the AAA. Yeah. It's like, ha ha, heat. It's so hot in there. No, it's so cold. The Miami Heat keep it so cold sometimes that the writers, they, they can't feel their fingers on the keyboard. It goes numb. It's so cold. So reporters would have a space heater next to them as they work. That's how cold it is sometimes in NBA arenas. When you walk in, it's unmistakable when you walk into a building that's not air conditioned. Because you think you're going to go into that like freezer section at Costco, Mm. you feel that chill, but you don't feel that. Instead, you feel more or less the same as what you felt outside, except without the direct sunlight. And you're saying, well, that's not right. Well, maybe it's just this hallway. And so as you walk and you go out to the bowl, you realize, oh, no, is something very, very wrong. And sure enough, we got word that there was an electrical issue involving the air conditioning and the air conditioning wasn't working. I mean, around the second quarter at 10.08 p.m. Eastern, 9.08 Central, Rachel Nichols tweeted out, air conditioning in the arena reportedly malfunctioning. This could get interesting. It sure did, Tom. Mike, I'm being told by the San Antonio Spurs that they are crafting a statement about the malfunctioning air conditioning unit. I'm assuming it'll include something about it's hot. But I can tell you that every player is talking about it. I asked David Fisdale, would it affect their rotation to the second half? He said, no, we know it's affecting everybody. I heard Chris Bosh saying to Ray Allen, hmm, it's like planting my old high school gym. There's no air moving in here. It took over 90 minutes for the Spurs to put out a statement to address that the air conditioning is not working. And I mean, I don't know. Were there certain parts of this arena that air conditioning was working or was it just always hot no matter where you walked? That's the interesting thing. So as the game goes on, we get word that the AC is out. We knew this at halftime, by the way, even though the Spurs statement didn't come out until later. And the word was even the locker rooms, even the locker rooms were dealing with the same thing. I want to pause here and paint the picture for the people how hot it was. Here's Doris Burke. Mike, we're still awaiting for official word from the San Antonio Spurs about the malfunction. In the meantime, our crack staff has gotten me a handheld thermometer. And the closer I get to the court, the closer it gets to 90 degrees. Currently reading about 88 degrees, about 10 feet away from the baseline, guys. And Pat Riley's still Doris not taking off his jacket despite the heat. There have been varying reports as to exactly how hot it was. Some people say Doris's thermometer was a little off or whatever. This is what I can say. Even if it was somewhere in the 80s and not 90 degrees, as Doris points out, have you ever been in a car on a mildly warm summer day? And there's like three other people in the car. So there's four of you guys in the car. The windows are rolled up. And for whatever reason, you don't turn the AC on. Very quickly, it becomes very uncomfortable because it's not just the temperature. It's the proximity of other human beings in a very small enclosed space. Imagine, if you will, the AT&T Center is a big car, but it's got 20,000 people in it. Mm. It was obnoxiously hot, regardless of what the thermometer said. Doris Burke brought out a damn thermometer packed away in their equipment. You see that in NFL games. You don't see that in an NBA arena. Hey, check out how hot it's getting in here. Like, it's just surreal, I guess, is the only word I keep coming back to. Because there was no circulation or ventilation. It was just this funk that hung in the air. Yeah, Doris Burke was reporting courtside. She wasn't up in the upper part where we were. She was literally five feet away from LeBron James when she's reporting this. It got so hot in there that when when the players went to the bench, they would have ice packs the trainers would provide bags full of ice and put them on the backs of their necks. So there's Chris Bosh, there's Tim Duncan, there's Manu Ginobili putting ice packs on their neck to somehow cool themselves down. And the one player that suffered the most just so happened to be the reigning finals MVP, LeBron James. LeBron James had the worst reaction to these high temperatures. Those ice packs did not work for LeBron. You know, LeBron obviously had to leave the game in the fourth quarter with the game still in the balance. Uh, you know, a second-grade player that obviously when a player of that ilk leaves the game, uh, you know, it, it certainly affects the game. There are people going to go back and look at the box score and say, wait a second, they lost 110 to 95. What are you guys talking about? The Spurs won it running away. They won four games to one. They blew them out several times within that. But the reality is this was a nip and tuck game. We thought we were going to get a redux of 2013, a seven-game series with every team doing everything it had at one another. Instead, LeBron makes a layup with the 409 mark and then promptly subs out for Rashard Lewis at the 359 mark. 
He doesn't return in the game. And the San Antonio Spurs end up going on a 16-3 run to end the game. 16-3 run in just under four minutes. But Tom, LeBron cramping, that seems like a fairly isolated, weird, fluky type thing, right? (laughs) Oh, not a fluke. This is like the number one weakness for LeBron James. This is his kryptonite. Is throughout his athletic career, he has had a history of cramps. That's interesting, man. That's interesting, Tom. I've never heard that before. Did anybody write an article about that or anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Actually, after the game, I talked to scientists and actual doctors who specialize in cramps and salt intake and Gatorade and electrolytes and the way to beat cramps. And what they all told me and what I wrote for ESPN.com is that This isn't a sign of weakness by LeBron James. It's a sign of strength that this dude operates an engine inside of him that works at a higher level than everybody else. And that when it locks up, when it overheats, there is almost nothing you can do to fix it because the damage is done. You know, it's funny. LeBron James talked about this. He's dealt with cramps for his entire life in big games in his career. In the 2012 playoffs, he had it in his high school career. He would have to call out of games because of cramps. This isn't just a a random thing that just happened in 2014. He has a history of this. And he actually takes a lot of fluids before the game, drinks a lot of fluids to make sure he's properly hydrated. But what I learned in this article... This article that you wrote? The article that I wrote, <laughs> yes. He made it seem like you read the article. <laughs> like, I learned from this article. You wrote it. I learned it again after reading it several years after the fact that I actually wrote that this was a case where maybe he didn't take enough salt. See, salt mm. is what carries the hydration to your blood and to your muscles. And so if you're just drinking straight water, purified water, it doesn't have the electrolytes. It doesn't have the actual salt in there. The salinity actually is the boat that carries all that hydration into your bloodstream. So make sure when you're drinking water that it's not totally purified because you need those electrolytes. There's actually in tap water, there is people think of them as impurities, But you actually want that salt. You want the electrolytes in your tap water to carry the hydration into your muscles. And so LeBron James, when you see people cramping up, they take salt pills. Mm. They try to take salt pills. Runners, marathon runners, right? Yes, it's a great example. And so what I learned was LeBron James, the die has already been cast. Mm -hmm. When you have a complete leg shutdown at that point, there's not much you can do. It's crazy because I remember at the time people said, he's got cramps. Well, well, that's pretty soft. Why don't you just get out there? But even Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas didn't begrudge LeBron for not returning. He said in an interview with Yahoo Sports, quote, there is no athlete on the planet who could have played through those cramps. Michael Jordan absolutely couldn't have played through those cramps. I absolutely couldn't have played through those cramps. As an athlete, there's nothing you could do. So it sounds like the Hall of Famer is echoing what you just said there, Tom. Exactly. And you don't have to take the scientist's word for it or Isaiah Thomas's word for it or even LeBron's word for it or even our word for it. We picked up the phone and we called our trusted truth teller here, Izzy Gutierrez from ESPN. He was actually in the building there. And if you've seen Izzy Gutierrez, you know he's a trusted resource of fitness and body health like that dude. You want to listen to him. And guess what? He suffered from cramps too. And he has his own story to tell. And boy, does he bring it. It's very specific. And it's one that you can absolutely manipulate because if all you got to do is get them sweating and you know that once it sets in, pretty much nothing you can do about it. Like there's going to be a span of time where that's going to have to be addressed and he's not going to be able to play. So you knew 1000% that he would miss time if that was the case. And, and coincidentally, happened in the second half where you wouldn't have a halftime with which to attend to the situation. It all made for very questionable timing or a lot of questions in general. That's great that LeBron is such an incredible athlete. He's in such amazing shape that his cramps are caused by his peak level of fitness. But what do you have to say to the fact that in 1984, Larry Bird, Another pinnacle of fitness. Yes. Shot 15 of 20 from the field, scored 34 points in a win over the Lakers in the finals where another courtside thermometer registered 98 degrees. In fact, he said, I love to play in the heat. I just run faster and create my own wind. Somewhere I can hear Mad Dog right now. Yeah. Yelling at LeBron for not creating his own wind, for not creating his own salt to rehydrate himself. 
and avoid the cramps. And that's what Havlicek would have done. That's what Bird would have done. Maybe if LeBron had mixed in a beer every once in a while, he would have gotten some of that salt that he needed to power his own renewable energy source like Larry Bird. Maybe a pack of smokes at halftime, perhaps. Did you say power maze? Oh, we'll get into Powerade. We'll get into that later. Yes. Mm. Wow. This thing is like an onion. But here's the thing, Tom. Mm. AC goes out, right? We're uncomfortable. The broadcasters are uncomfortable. With air conditioning in the building, it's apparently malfunctioning. It is so hot in this place right now, and certainly have an impact on the players. I'm not embarrassed about being soft. I like being catered to. I like to have an air conditioned house. LeBron is out of the game because it's so uncomfortable. Wouldn't the Spurs be uncomfortable too? (laughs) I mean, you're someone who has scouted in the NBA before. Don't you remember that 2014 NBA Finals squad from San Antonio? Vaguely, what's like Tim Duncan and Danny Green. Talk my memory. Who was on that roster? Try Tony Parker. He's French. Tim Duncan, you mentioned. He's from the Virgin Islands. So not an American. And I'm saying this because Aaron Baines, also not an American. Marco Bellinelli, Italian. Nando DiColo, Boris Diaw, Corey Joseph, Tiago Splitter, Patty Mills, Manu Ginobili. Where are you going with this? International players who had vast experience playing in unair conditioned gyms. Are we making assumptions here? Are we stereotyping basically, oh, they're from Europe or from South America? Of course they played in unair conditioned buildings. Is that what we're doing here? Maze, hit him with the audio. Tim Duncan. Temperature wise, how does this rank with the games? Is this one of the most uncomfortable games you've ever played? Yeah, pretty close. Uh, I don't think I've ever played in, in anything like this since I, I, I left the islands. It's pretty bad out there. Tony Parker. Obviously, everybody in the building could feel what the, the heat and humidity was like in here tonight. What's it like uh, trying to play through that? And do you have to try to account for it as, as the game's going on? Uh, me, personally, it didn't bother me. It felt like in Europe. You know, it felt like I was playing in the European Championship. So, you know, we never have AC in Europe. So, it didn't bother me at all. Manu Ginobili. For sure, I play more years in, in situations like this than with AC on a court. So, not a big deal in that case. Think about this. We have a roster full of experienced international players dealing with these circumstances. Uh huh. You have the noisemakers. You mean the Strange fans? You have the fact that the best player in the series, the reigning finals MVP, has a certain Achilles heel. Certain strength, Tom. Oh, right, 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 right. Certain strength where his weakness is also a strength. It happens to the best of us, right? And it involves hydration and sweating and overheating, right? You have all these things swirling about. This is the point. We haven't said it yet. But in case you hadn't done it earlier in the episode, please open your third eye. It was just the perfect situation. Like, I can't think of an injury that you can just trigger like that, that can definitively or definitely take somebody out of a game for a good amount of time. That's the only way to do it. That's something that Illuminati meetings, you know, they make sure that there's nobody with an earshot because that would have to have been one hell of a plan. Things are starting to add up here. They're adding up with a very particular slant. If you're following along, if you're connecting the dots here, all the things that Tom just laid out for you. Maze, you brought up that Larry Bird thing. And Boston, the Celtics were known for this. They were known for doing all types of shenanigans with the showers and with the visitors' locker rooms and even dead spots on the parquet floor. Does San Antonio have like a history of shenanigans of this sort? The longest history. Dare I say it's a CVS receipt length history of shenanigans <laughs> in that arena. I mean, do you remember... When the Spurs were in the playoffs and the visiting team, two hours before the game, got to their locker and a player found a rattlesnake in his locker. A four-foot rattlesnake. (laughs) A snake? (laughs) A snake. A snake in a locker room. Really, Tom? That happened, man. It's true. It happened. You guys are feeding me lies. I'm not taking this anymore. I'm not letting you spread this to the people. Uh, Eat this. In 2014, we had the AC game, of course. But preceding that, a month before that, 
was something that most NBA fans didn't even know about. The rattlesnake game before game two of the Portland Trailblazers series. Thomas Robinson walks into the locker room and sees a rattlesnake. This was a month before the AC game. Dan McCarney, we talked to him because there is a history here. Here's Dan. There was a snake in the visiting locker room. It is South Texas, so that's not uncommon. They've had some wild stuff. As we keep talking, more stuff keeps popping up, so it's wild. Unfortunately, there always seemed to be like a fruit fly invasion at some point during the playoffs. During the two finals I covered, there was always at one point during the games, you'd get down in the bowels of the arena and you'd be walking along and there would just be like a cloud of fruit flies down. Whoa. Is it fruit flies? Fruit flies infestations. We got snakes. There's bats everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you need the flies to feed the bats. <laughs> it's nonstop with these guys. Now we're painting a picture to you. I'm hoping as your third eye is opening, you're taking a step back and you're looking at this collage of seemingly unrelated events and you're saying, oh, they do this here. You know what my favorite quirk about the Spurs is? What's the name of the building they play in? The AT&T Center. I just find it odd that all the media that I know when we go to San Antonio, we struggle to get cell service in that building, particularly if you are with AT&T. You'd think they'd put a freaking antenna right on top of the roof, but nope, bad signal in there, and no Wi-Fi either. The Wi-Fi was trash all the time. Well, I mean, as we learned while researching this tragic event, just because a company sponsors the Spurs does not mean that they provide services to the building. Wait a second. The Spurs have an AC sponsor? Oh, yeah. Champion AC, baby. Champion AC. What an appropriate name for an AC company to be associated with the Spurs. This was an amazing little subplot, or dare I say, the actual plot. We'll get into that a little bit later. Let's play this one out. Was the rattlesnake a failed attempt to kill in Portland Trailblazer? What, what, what exactly was the rattlesnake situation? Because that, I would just charge it to the game and the fact that they live in San Antonio and, hey, these things show up. I'm going to tell you right now, I've had this long-held belief that none of what we just described to you was an accident. This isn't shtick. I'm not doing this for the pod or whatever. I'm being real deal with you guys. All of this, the heat. The team, the heat. The Spurs. The fact that LeBron has this one Achilles heel, which is cramping. LeBron James, at this point in his career, everybody was saying he was indestructible, cannot be injured, but he can sweat too much? Like, that's weird. And so that was his kryptonite, I guess a little extra heat, ironically. The fact that the Spurs have a roster full of guys who, by their own admission, had experience playing in these conditions and found it to be normal. The fact that you have a CVS receipt list of shenanigans by the Spurs in their building, according to Tom Habistro. The fact that the giveaway that night was noisemakers that were really hand fans, strange fans, as I call them. All of these things are moving together. But here's the thing. We were told on that night that the AC was out in the entire building. Locker rooms, the floor, the hallways, everything. I worked for ESPN at the time. When I would do finals coverage, we would shoot a True Hoop TV episode right on the floor, right at the conclusion of the game. We'd grab some chairs from courtside, sit them on the floor, and we'd record. And so Jade Hoy, who was our producer, was always saying, hey, last time out of the fourth quarter, start heading down. Make sure that you're on the floor so that way we can get right into it immediately and get some, some choice real estate. I went downstairs. I had to leave a little earlier because we're all the way at the top. As you remember, Tom, we're sitting way, way above. So it takes a while to get downstairs. So I got down and I'm walking through the tunnel. And as I'm rounding the corner, I pass the Spurs locker room. And I feel what can only be described as the unmistakable gust of cold, frigid air that you might feel on a hot summer day while you walk past a CVS or a Walgreens and the automatic doors open up and all of a sudden you get that air-conditioned air just hits you. I know what I felt. Everyone can say what they can say about, well, it was this and why would they do that? I know what I felt, not what I heard. This isn't hearsay. I know what I felt as I walked past their locker room, that gust of cold air hit me and that's when I knew the fix was it. Supposedly, wasn't it? pretty chilly in the Spurs locker room after the game? I heard the Spurs locker room had AC 
uh, blowing. No, we, no, it had fans. It did have fans. Had fans? Yeah. That was a good cover-up. A little more air. You know what I'm saying? But, nah. I think somebody had mentioned, like, that they had been in the Spurs locker room after, and it was cooler in there. It would not surprise me if they did have their own specific air conditioning for the locker room, just as a backup or just the way the arena is laid out. I mean, that's like when you go to the eye doctor and they just blow a little bit of air in your eye and it opens up your eye, right? Mm -hmm. You felt that cold air and immediately you didn't just go for cover and grab a blanket or a sweatshirt or anything like that. You opened your third eye. Tom, I'm telling you, I didn't have an inkling about LeBron's cramp history, about any of that stuff. I just thought, man, this is uncomfortable. Wow, what a crazy game one. The moment I walked past that locker room, I knew there are no coincidences. There is no such thing as happenstance. This was the birth of my third eye opening. That was the day when I realized it was written. Who wrote it? I got a list of suspects for you, Tom Habistrow. People who all had something to gain from gaming the system, from gaming this air conditioning system and giving us what ended up being the first salvo in a very quick and dirty series. Did you talk to anybody who was like affiliated with the Spurs or anything like that? It's funny you should mention that because I have a friend, a source, who is a former Spurs employee. I talked to this source. We were talking casually about crazy things that have happened in the final. This wasn't too long ago. And my source brings up the night the AC went out and says something along the lines of, that was real. I said, oh, I know it was real. Real shady. And so my source says, no, no, it was actually a point of great embarrassment for the Spurs. And one of the members of the facilities department leadership team actually lost their job as a result of this. For my friend, who's his former Spurs employee, that's the proof that nothing untoward was happening because someone screwed up, honest mistake, and they lost their job as a result. I submit to you, that's just proof that this was a conspiracy. Because at the center of every conspiracy, there's always a patsy. There's always a fall guy. There's always a scapegoat. Do you really think Lee Harvey Oswald was the only person in that book depository? No. There was more to it than that, and much like that here. Suspect number one is the San Antonio Spurs organization led by Greg Popovich. Why Pop, you might ask? Well, I don't know. Maybe because you think about them pulling off this incredibly complex plot where you need to have faulty communications coming in and out of the arena. You need there to be misinformation out there. Oh, the AC's out everywhere. You know what kind of person you would need to orchestrate something like that? Someone with a little experience as an intelligence officer, perhaps in the military, perhaps having served abroad, perhaps even considering quotes, air quotes for those who can't see, a career in the CIA. Do you find it suspicious at all that the air conditioning went off considering LeBron's uh, history of cramping? No, I mean, that would take uh, an incredible mind to try to plan that. Where would one find such a diabolical mastermind? I don't know. The head coach of the Spurs, Greg Popovich. Well, I mean, he was asked about this during the game. Doris Burke pulled him aside in the quarter break, and here's what he had to say. In the building affecting both teams, how does it affect what you do with your guys in the fourth period? That doesn't affect us any more than that. It's just a bad situation. A bad situation, I mean. A bad situation. A bad situation. I'm out here. You know, I'm third eye open. I'm that guy. Right. The guy who has wacky NBA Finals experiences. Is there anyone with maybe more gravitas than me who can give voice to this? Would a player say anything? Would another coach say anything? Yeah. Would there be a player who would put their name on the record and accuse the Spurs of shenanigans? Hold on. I think there might. No way. Jason Terry. My guy. The Jet. Wait, Jason Terry has every reason to say the fix wasn't in. 
because he's the guy that LeBron dunked on. Wouldn't he have beef with LeBron James? I feel like Jason Terry wouldn't be the whistleblower here, but he is. Here's what he had to say to a local Dallas radio station. Quote, you know what? Pop has done that so many times. I don't know if it's a conspiracy, but I'm telling you, going into San Antonio is a tough place to play. And I can remember very well one time where it was cold showers. There were about a thousand flies in the locker room. And this year, there was a snake in the locker room. So they're going to pull out all the stops to get into your head. And he finally says this, when you go to San Antonio expect something like that. And Miami fell victim to it. End quote. Wow. It reminds me, guys, of when we were talking about the frozen envelope and our man from Madison Square Garden just put it out there, bold-faced, claimed responsibility for it in a joking manner. That's kind of like how Pop joked about the air conditioning situation. Any of your players have any issues with the heat that bothered them at all? Well, I think everybody got a little... You know, a little tired or a little dehydrated for sure. Uh, I, I'm sure that you know both teams are going to be happy that we have a couple of days before the next game, and hopefully we can pay our bills. They're trying to let you know. This is what they do. They flirt with the truth in order to make the truth seem unpalatable. If the truth is virtuous and we treated it with the appropriate amount of reverence, then we would always take it seriously. But when you treat the truth like some floozy you picked up at a bus station, well, we're all expected to disrespect the truth and not believe the truth. But don't listen to us. Let's check in with Dan and Izzy and see what they think about the Spurs being behind this. I know R.C. Buford really well. I think incredibly highly of him. He's one of the classiest guys I've ever met. Did he channel his inner Red Auerbach in some of those spots? Maybe that's a question for R.C. It was an electrical malfunction, like a breaker or something. Could that comprise somebody pulling a plug? I don't know. I don't think they would have done that. Do you think Greg Popovich being involved in this exonerates the Spurs here? Or do you think it actually makes it more suspicious? I go back and forth with this in my head because I love Pop. And I do think this is all silly, fun and games. And he's above this. However, (laughs) they did just lose the previous year. And they lost in a way that would make you pull your hair out. And it's just like, man, anything we can get to make sure, even if it's a razor's edge that makes sure we don't lose back-to-backs, let's see what happens. And do it in game one. What's the harm in a game one? You know, they can live with their conspiracy theories for years. And it's only going to play out as a conspiracy theory if it works to perfection, which it did. And so I want to say it's nonsense, but... There's something that says it's too perfect. So I'd say there's a decent, I'd say like a 15% chance that Pop or RC knew. But they could actually have plausible deniability and no direct connection whatsoever. But you know what, guys? Believe it or not, they're not the only suspects here. There are other suspects. Speaking of people who are taking a tongue-in-cheek approach to the truth, how about Champion AC? Oh, yes. Our friends down in San Antonio. The sponsors. They were trying to secure the arena service contract at the time because they held the unique position of being a Spurs partner, but not the air conditioning provider. In parentheses from their blog post, friend zone level ultimate. Oh, isn't that cute? (laughs) If you are this company, Champion AC, you're paying money to the Spurs, you get the affiliation. But what you don't have is a service contract. When things go wrong, they're paying some other company mm. to fix things for them. It's going in the other direction, right? Yeah, this is basically a can't buy me love slash love don't cost a thing scenario. You're pretending to go out with them, but in reality, this relationship is a farce. So what do you do? How do you get the other people out of the picture? You make them look bad. Frame them. This is all speculation until you read the actual tweet from Champion AC on Twitter at 10.32 p.m. Eastern Time, right after Rachel Nichols tweets out that there is a malfunction in the AC unit. For the folks at the AT&T Center, we're just a sponsor. We don't have the service contract, dot, 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 yet. 
smiley face. In a subsequent blog post, yes, that's right. We at Basketball Illuminati read air conditioning company blog posts for you. They went on to say, that's why we wanted to take this opportunity to clear up any and all rumors about the AC outage that caused the cramps heard around the world. Starting with, we totally did it. No. A power outage? Really? Do you think something as devious and beautifully executed as turning the AT&T Center into a sauna? You're welcome, dieters. Could be accomplished with something as crude as a power outage? Think again. And it's good there's two days between now and the next game so everybody can recover. And they can get the uh, AC fixed also. Because it's broke <laughs> all of a sudden the, the coils weren't working like what the heck is going on because that that just doesn't happen in a building that large i don't think the at&t center has had an air conditioning problem before or since and so the fact that it happened in the second half of a game one of an nba finals against the greatest player of all time who happens to cramp easily seems to be more than a coincidence they're flirting with the truth in order to throw us off the trail making us take the truth less seriously. In the same breath, they're talking about how all these people have been harassing them on social media and it's not their fault. And you know what this is? This is where they're recentering the narrative so that they are the victim. They're making themselves the victim so that you're like, oh, it couldn't be them. They're poor, these guys, whatever. But guys, that's not the only suspects we have. There's more? What? Absolutely is more. As you all know, we just talked about Champion AC, but that's small potatoes. AC units. We're talking about local sponsorships for a team in a mid-market. No. We want to talk big money? Let's talk big money. Let's talk about one of the biggest corporations in this country, in the world, being upset that the best player in the game is not aligned with them, is aligned with the competitor. Oh, I see these dots. Mm -hmm. I forgot about this. That night, there was this whole Powerade, Gatorade thing going on, this little beef between the two huge conglomerates. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. So LeBron James, even though he's an NBA player, he is not a Gatorade player. Nope. Because his sponsorship is with Powerade, the rival of Gatorade. Now, Gatorade spends lots of money and pays that money to the NBA to make sure that in the locker rooms and the signage everywhere, they are the official sports drink of the NBA. They get that notoriety, right? But on that night, when LeBron James is cramping up, they got a little spicy on their Twitter account. Gatorade tweeted, the person cramping wasn't our client. Our athletes can take the heat. <laughs> so spicy they had to delete it afterwards. Deleted tweets. Red flag. Another deleted tweet. Better go stock up on lime cucumber before game two. Can't cramp up. So they went on and on. Look at this. They're brazen with it. All right. All right. Enough with the corporate sponsorships. I'm not feeling all these power player conspiracy suspects here let's get to the things that we know for sure mm -hmm. the at&t center is overrun and i'm not talking about heat fans i'm talking about critters creature comforts oh. we've got snakes we've got flies <laughs> we've got bats eating those flies could one of these creatures have gotten into the electrical system that powered the air conditioner unit and fried the whole thing? Is that why it took them 90 plus minutes to craft a statement that said the power went out just for the air conditioning and not the rest of the stadium? So you have one of these critters chewing through the wires and just like that, I mean... Big animal kingdom. I think the only chewing that's been happening is maize with some edibles. Mm, I don't chew those. Straight down the gullet, baby. They're edibles, not chewables. They just go straight down. Like a pelican. Don't bring Zion into this, I mean. These are all great questions. I feel like one of the things that is so damning about this whole thing is that there's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. John Tedesco Reporting for the San Antonio Express News and the Houston Chronicle, the investigative reporter called into duty the day after this happened and called the Spurs. And you know what they said? Nothing. 
Nothing. He got the runaround. I pulled up this article published on June 6th, the day after, where John Tedesco, intrepid gumshoe Sherlock Holmes for the people, went out there to try to figure out who was at the bottom of this. Who was behind the curtain? What exactly happened? And here's what he found. The San Antonio Spurs have yet to respond to questions about why the unit stopped running in the first place. The AC system has been tested, is fully operational, and will continue to be monitored, they said. But the team did not respond to corporate communications about what exactly happened. Why did those AC units malfunction? Why did the electrical fail? The Bexar County Judge Nelson Wolf spoke to this reporter, and he spoke to the Vice President of Corporate Communications for Spurs Sports and Entertainment on the following morning and was told, quote, there was a circuit breaker failure of some sort. And he continued, the judge for the county continued saying, me and Mays, get ready for this. They tried to get it fixed last night, but couldn't get enough power because of whatever happened to that breaker said Wolf, who attended the game and insisted that complaints about the hot conditions inside the AT&T Center were overstated. Quote, I was there and I wasn't all that hot. According to what I have been told by our people, our temperature dial showed 78 degrees, not 90. It may have been just a little uncomfortable for some folks, but it didn't bother me or anybody in the suite we were in. The county official that oversees the AT&T Center was at the game last night, and he said that he thought media reports of the conditions were overstated, that he was actually comfortable. Put it in your words, what you felt. Uh, <laughs> how do I answer this? Uh, no, I just, it was some extreme conditions. I, I've never played in an NBA game like it was last night as far as the, the, the heat. You guys see what's happening here? This is a judge. They've got judges in their pockets. When there's judges and elected officials that are involved, you know what that means? It means this thing goes all the way to the top. To the top of the Spurs organization, right? I mean? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm talking political capital here, sir. I'm talking straight to the top of the NBA. And the latest suspect I have, Adam Silver. Whoa. No. That's right. Adam Silver just inherited the title of commissioner after the long tenure of David Stern had come to an end. At this point, the Donald Sterling thing had just happened. He's riding high. His Q rating has never been higher. He's hooked. He's addicted to that limelight. Says, you know how I can boost this a little bit more and kind of distance ourselves from the stain of Donald Sterling? What if we got an NBA Finals that turned everything on its head? Make the NBA the center of conversation. You make some phone calls, you call up a judge, you call up an AC company, you call up some rattlesnakes and other critters. You call up Gatorade, pull all of these strings. Now, here's the thing. In my theory here, if Adam is the culprit, he overstepped himself because he probably thought, man, the Heat are probably going to beat him again. I need to even the odds a little bit. That game one is a little too close. Pull the lever, push the button. Here we are. Game one is a loss, right? And then we get a back and forth and all that stuff. But instead, instead what happens is it triggers the entire collapse of the Miami Heat as they lose in five. What? Unintended consequences. Remember that one from the lockout? Mm-hmm. Unintended consequences. Wait, I mean, are you suggesting that Adam Silver overstepped here and didn't quite see what he was doing, that he went too far? Because I posit he knew exactly what he was doing in this theory, right? What was better for LeBron James's legacy? He won the championships in Miami. He wins two championships. Sure, a three-peat would be nice for his legacy, but nothing can top what happened next. Well, Tom, first of all, I'm not insinuating anything. I'm asking questions. Like a regular detective, I'm coming up with a list of persons of interest, suspects, and trying to come up with the motive, the why beyond what was done and why these suspects would have done it. But Tom, you touched on something that actually made me want to add a new contestant, a new culprit, a new suspect, a new person of interest. 
And in many ways, this should have been the most simple one, the most obvious one. Dan Gilbert? It's LeBron James. No. <laughs> Film noir. What? Think about this. At this point, he has become disillusioned with being in Miami. It's a boot camp. He doesn't get to have his guys on the plane. Meanwhile, Dwayne Wade is taking weeks off at a time for rest and recovery. LeBron's having to shoulder all this load. They're giving him help, and their version of help is Rashard Lewis's 800-year-old ass. No. LeBron knew, hey, if I'm going to win more titles, it ain't going to be here. First of all, I want to call my own shot. Second of all, I need to get with a younger team so I can age more gracefully. But he couldn't just leave. He was going to be a free agent in 2014, but he just can't leave. You've got to set up the circumstances to point out this isn't a good enough situation for me. So how do you do it? You lose the NBA Finals, but you don't want to lose. Like, oops, I turned it over. Oops, I don't know what I'm doing. You have to do it via injury. No one wants to seriously be injured, right? So you find the injury that you know you're susceptible to, but is temporary. It doesn't have any long-lasting effects other than not being able to play. Wait a minute. So you're saying this is the equivalent of Donovan Mitchell's camp leaking out to the ESPN national media pretext. LeBron James is setting up the escape route, the escape hatch. Mm -hmm. Just like Donovan Mitchell is upset and unnerved and unsettled about Quinn Snyder's surprising exit. How dare you? Oh, I didn't see that coming. This is what we talked about last week on Basketball Illuminati, and you're establishing another pretext, potentially another suspect, LeBron James. And now I'm rethinking everything. Was I part of this whole conspiracy? You got used like a sleeve of diapers at a daycare center. They just shat all over you and then threw you into one of those weird trash cans that seals the poop smell in. So you're telling me that the scientists and the doctors that I called up all were in on it, saying this is a strength for LeBron James? Him having the cramps was actually a sign of LeBron's greatness, that we're cutting both ways. He not only gets the escape patch, but he gets reporters like me saying this is actually a strength of LeBron James. I'm telling you, Tom, that you were once blind, but now I see. percentage chance do you give the possibility that Greg Popovich or R.C. Buford or any other Spurs staffer was behind the malfunction? I'm not saying they were in the meetings, but I'm saying third hand. Yeah, Pop probably knew something like that was coming. They probably could have told them if it gets warm, just know, don't freak out. It's for our benefit. And you don't need to know why. He tells his guys, hey, make sure you hydrate really well. And remember to tell a bunch of stories about when you played when it was warm. Okay, let's go deep. And you get out there. What if it just broke? Is that possible? Of course not. Of course it didn't break. It's called backup systems. It's called... Well, it did, happen, lot of, it did happen at the Super Bowl. It's called, no, it did happen at the Super but Bowl. But they fixed it, though. I would think you would expect this arena to be cool by Sunday's game, too. But is there something bigger? wrong right now? Have you obviously you've been talking to building officials? What do they expect for Sunday? Uh, they expect everything to be perfect come Sunday. And, and that's what we expect to 